everybody. It's Steph. 24th, maybe? 20 something. Of January 2006. Doing well. It's time for our. Ooh, it's a chilly day. Minus 15 degrees in Canada. And it's time for our lunchtime chat o stroll o rama. And I'm going to travel further afield because I try. <laughs> It actually gets kind of irritating when I want to make a good point and people come wandering or clustering by that pause at the beginning of the podcast <laughs> with me not wanting to speak energetically to the sock while standing inside the building. So I'm going to wander out to a distant parking lot where I shall stalk back and forth like a man in search of his contacts. So let's uh, continue uh, and, and I think close off the topic of immigration uh, for now, <laughs> for good. Uh, no, probably not for good, <laughs> for now. And I just wanted to run through a couple of the arguments that are often put forward by people who have some significant objections to uh, immigration and its consequences. And I'd like to talk... Consumers Road? Consumers Road? Arr! Yeah, you know, I think I do. Consumers Road... If you, you can actually walk through this area here, just go straight down yeah, that way. That's one entrance, but there's another, it's a U. It, it's, it's sort of an L. It actually L. ends up coming up that way as well. Okay. But I don't think you can get through there back Better here. To walk on the main If you road. walk up there and then walk left, it should come up there. I know for sure if you go that way and down, way. then you'll see it. Okay, I think I need that one. Thank okay, you. good luck. So, the... Uh, oppositions that are often put forward I'm sure I'm going to forget to edit that out by the way <laughs> the oppositions that are put forward to immigration in general are sort of along these lines so people say well immigrants will come in and they will use the welfare system in order to uh, enrich themselves at our expense and there's a general feeling of ripped offedness that comes and this, of course, appeals to very basic tribal instincts within the human soul around making sure that your resources don't go to other people. I was watching this Dr. Phil the other day where a guy was refusing to pay child support, so he claimed, because there were other children by other men, and he felt that his money was going to those other children rather than to, rather than to his own. So... That is pretty ingrained in human nature, not to have our resources exploited by other people, except as they be people we love or treasure, either morally or biologically, uh, through love or children. So, uh, of course, it's not that it can't be both. <laughs> so there's this general fear that some parasitical outsider tribe is going to come along and hang off our necks like a leech and drain us dry and all of the concomitant stereotypes arise from that kind of situation wherein people are supposed to be giggling as they uh, take you over and, and prey upon your wallet and so on and getting away with everything and sitting around scratching themselves and all this kind of stuff. It's just general hateful stuff that is brought about by this fear of outsiders coming in and pillaging your crop, so to speak. And of course, it's very clear and positive from an evolutionary standpoint, biological reasons why we would have that fear and work very hard. Social calculus in terms of distribution of resources, people who suck at math 
when you give them an abstract mathematical question, will perform exquisitely well when you've reframed that into a resource allocation question. So questions about who pays for what in a bar and whether it's equal or fair. People can't work that out to save their lives, most people, mathematically. But if you give it to them in terms of so-and-so is paying for such-and-such and so-and-so such, so is not paying, they get the answer instinctively. We have a calculus engine for resource distribution within our consciousness, which is really quite powerful and well worth exploring if you have uh, time and inclination. So hostility towards outsiders taking resources. Holy crap, it's gold! <laughs> oh, the outsiders taking resources, my friends. For me, today, are you podcast listeners? <laughs> Oh, okay, let me just... I'm going to be a little muffled. I simply can't take it. I'm going to have to uh, cover up my mouth a little with a muffler or something. It really is quite a wind. So, that fear is natural that, that people are going to have it. It's undifferentiated biological bigotry, which is not to say that it's necessarily wrong, but the problem is not that people... People don't say, I, I hate immigrants, and I don't want them in my country. Obviously, that is an unsustainable position. Every human being is an immigrant in one form or another. Uh, even my family in England, we came over with William the Conqueror, so we were immigrants from that standpoint. So that kind of stuff doesn't, uh, doesn't really work at all to say, I don't like immigration because at some point, especially people in America saying, the country's only a couple of hundred years old, for Christ's sake. People saying in America, I don't like immigration. Um, the only people in America who can say, I don't like immigration, are the drunken remnants of the original native tribes. They, I think, have a fair reason to dislike immigration, though I still say they're doing better than they would have, at least there's more opportunity for those who want it, than they would have done under the old system of blank tribal hierarchies. But those people can say it, I think, with some justification for us be dudes and dudettes to say it, it's really quite laughable. So nobody can say, I hate immigration, immigration is bad, because that's clearly just rank prejudice. So what do people do? Well, they, they, they say something else, right? They say, I dislike immigration because immigrants come in and they, you know, they, they, they cost the U.S. Treasury $14 billion and they only contribute $8.4 billion in taxes and so on. And so there's a net loss, and that's why I don't like immigration. So nobody then says, I dislike immigrants. What they always do is they say, I dislike immigrants for this reason. And the reason can't be something that's synonymous with immigration, because that returns you right back to the first problem. The reason that people claim to dislike immigrants is always for some reason of economic exploitation of the working masses or whatever. Fine, fine, let's take that and let's find out if it is something that is just and valid, in other words, if it's universal or if it is just another synonym for immigration, right? In the same way that many of our black brothers and sisters suspect, and probably quite rightly so, that when the media talks about welfare moms, they're really talking about black women in the projects, or as they're sometimes called, drug dealer farm, uh, drug dealer girlfriend farms. So, let's have a look at this question. If somebody says, I dislike immigrants because immigrants take out more than they contribute to the social wheel, to the riches and wealth within society, fine. Then you have the challenge of 
explaining why it is only immigrants that you uh, focus your dislike on, if it's based on this criteria. Right? Those who take out more than they contribute to the social wheel. Well, there's a rather large group of people who take out rather more than they contribute to the social wheel as a whole, uh, and, and, and those would be uh, children. The children are they certainly immigrants in that they're new to the country. They certainly do take an enormous amount of resources out of the country uh, without putting resources back in. Uh, sadly, uh, dusting off the blackboard erasers after school does not count as adding to the GDP, while uh, taxation, immunization, the increased healthcare costs of children, and so on, all do rather substantially deduct from the GDP. So, or consume at least a large amount of resources. So, I would say that if you are against groups that are new to the country, that subtract from the GDP or consume more than they produce, no problem. Let's pull a King Herod, but with <coughs> trucks and trains rather than swords and blades, and simply deport all the children because they are new to the country and consume many more resources than they produce. But I don't see that being a very valid approach to the problem, and I don't see a whole lot of immigrant bashers uh, going to take that route. So it can't be simply a group that is new to the country, newly arrived in the country that consumes more resources than they produce. <coughs> so it must be something else. So let's just say it's adults who are new to the country, or who are in the country, who consume more. Whether they're new to the country or not shouldn't really matter a whole lot, right? It's not like if somebody who has lived in America for 40 years is taking your resources versus somebody who's been in America for a year who's taking your resources over wherever you live, it shouldn't really matter, right? I mean, does, does it really matter how old the guy is who, who robs you? No. Age is not a relevant factor in something like theft. So the longevity of the person who's taking from the common wheel in terms of their presence to the country, eh, it shouldn't matter at all. So where they're born, of course, should, does it really matter whether the guy who steals from you is born in Baltimore or is born in Des Moines or Tulsa or New Orleans? doesn't really matter to you, right? The <laughs> place of birth is not a determinant factor in the ethics of theft. So what we can only really conclude is that the fundamental objection that is being leveled against uh, people, uh, in this case immigrants, is that they're taking uh, and not giving, right? that they're taking more out of the public purse than they're providing. And we can't redefine that as just saying, and they have to be born outside the country, because then the primary thing you're complaining about is people born outside the country, of which your ancestors were born outside the country, and therefore blah 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 blah. Uh, their, their citizenry was illegitimate because they arrived in the country and took over land, uh, and uh, I don't believe that the immigrants who are currently coming in, even the illegals, are taking over the land and houses of other people. So it can't, you can't simply redefine that which you object to in immigrants as those born outside the country. It has to be something else. And the moment you make it something else, you can't then tack on to that and born outside the country, otherwise you're right back where you started. So people say, well, immigrants, uh, they come in and they sit on welfare and they send their kids to public schools and and blah-de-blah-de-blah, you know, pay taxes and so on. Well, fine. 
So your criteria is those human beings who consume social resources disproportionately to the degree with which they contribute to those same social resources, using the term contribution in the loosest possible manner, in the same way that a woman contributes her vagina to a rapist, or you, your wallet, to a mugger, then the issue is the net negative uh, economic loss to the community and economic gain to the individual. Fine, no problem, we can go with that. Then, once we recognize that you can't redefine this category uh, in terms of people who simply born outside the country, then you have a rather large and challenging problem on your hand, which is that you have uh, far more complaints against naturalized fellow citizens than you do against people who've come into the country legally or illegally. So who is it who is consuming the vast majority of your tax resources? Is it, say, the quarter or third of the population who works for government in one form or another? Yeah, I would say so, and that's probably a much larger group than even illegal immigrants, and those people are not just taking out more than they're contributing, they're contributing almost nothing and taking out their entire salary and overhead and higher heating and lighting and all the other stuff that it takes, the computer systems and all of that which it takes to keep you enslaved, right? See, the, as I sort of was mentioning yesterday, or perhaps more than mentioning, <laughs> I apologize for the swearing, but as I was mentioning yesterday, the, the people who are pointing WMDs at you are slightly more dangerous to your liberty than the guy shaking citrus on a median or the guy sticking up some plaster uh, in, uh, in a house somewhere. So uh, these people are not uh, enslaving you and not uh, causing you those, uh, those kinds of problems, not diminishing your liberty. They're just trying to get by as, as everybody else is. So uh, clearly the uh, major issue should be uh, with those, right? Uh, with those people who actively take your property and... Dude, it's called a muffler. Look into it. <laughs> so, yeah, so those people who are taking uh, your property uh, actively rather than simply through the uh, prosecution of wanting to get their children educated in some manner and being forced by the existing system to put them in state schools and so on, or have them educated at home, or however you want to put it, then those people who are not simply contributing less than they're taking from the common wheel, but rather, in fact, are taking everything that they have from the common wheel and inflicting the uh, theft of your property to boot, right? Those people you should have far more problems with. Here's another example. What about um, mercantilist state-sucking corporations? Do they uh, have uh, a large effect on diminishing your economic freedom? To what degree do corporations take out more from the common wheel than they put in? And by those corporations, I include not just those who, like uh, ConAgra, who take vast amounts of government subsidies and so on, but Amtrak and places like that, but also, even more importantly, those corporations that, say, manufacture arms, which we'll get to a little, little later today, who manufacture arms that are shipped overseas, which raise resentment against you as an individual, so they tax you in order to inflame a tax against you by selling arms overseas, and not exactly putting forward the image of your country as a noble, wise, and benevolent statesman of the planet. So, I would say that there's another group that you might have slightly more problem with than with immigrants. Now, of course, there are domesticated citizens within your own country who are uh, on welfare, and those people get enormous amounts of subsidies, uh, direct subsidies, 
they get uh, medical aid subsidies, uh, rent control subsidies, sometimes the rent is paid for them. They of course can use the roads, there's public subsidies for transportation systems like buses and subways, which they also use, and of course the school systems and the policing systems which they don't pay for, uh, all of these kinds of things. And uh, people on welfare, you see, are net negatives to the common wheel. See, the complaint against at least some of the statistics that I've seen on illegal immigrants or immigrants uh, of a certain category that they, they contribute uh, uh, only two-thirds of the resources that they take away from the state. Well, if contribution versus deduction to the social wheel is your criteria for hostility, then those of your fellow citizens who are on welfare are much, much worse than any conceivable immigrant population as a whole, right? So the people on welfare are almost defined as those who are taking enormously relative to their quote contributions, which are almost non-existent and almost always under the table because otherwise their earnings are simply deducted from their welfare payments and there's no incentive to, uh, to get any of that stuff done, to have a job, right? So, so if your criteria is those who are net uh, takers from the social wheel, or the common wheel, then Naturally, uh, the people on welfare should be far more, uh, you should be far more hostile to the people on welfare than you ever would be to any group of illegal or illegal immigrants. And let's just stay with illegal immigrants to make it as inflammatory as possible. But illegal immigrants uh, have jobs and, of course, don't have access to vast arrays of social programs, have to work under the table a lot, and so on. And uh, so uh, that uh, just doesn't make any sense to have your primary hostility towards these people. Unless, of course, you're just hostile towards immigrants, which brings us back to our original problem of self-contradictory nonsense. Not to mention bigotry. Let's, uh, let's have a look at another group of people who, it could be said, are subtracting a fair amount from the common wheel. Um, there's a little group of green-clad G.I. Joes, we call soldiers, who uh, probably look a whole lot like you, and uh, may even come from your socioeconomic spectrum, i.e. poor southern and those people, I would say, fairly adept at taking from the common wheel, at not uh, contributing in any way, shape, or form, but rather simply taking from the common wheel. They get paid, uh, medical benefits, free flights uh, everywhere. They get armed at your expense, and of course, well, what are their arms going to be trained at? Uh, you, if you don't pay your taxes. So I would say that if there was a growing sort of mercenary illegal immigrant army that was stomping around taxing everyone and the taxes that they levied were far greater or even just greater than the taxes levied by the government uh, agents at the moment then yeah sure then you would say well you know this uh, government is robbing me of 30% taxes but these this army um, this wild army of illegal immigrant mercenaries is taxing me at 40%, then I would understand that you would have a certain hostility towards the uh, immigrant, illegal immigrant... Oh, my brain is frozen! <laughs> the illegal immigrant mercenary army that was taxing you at a higher rate than the government, but if you really are concerned about those who consume without producing, uh, and uh, I would of course throw in the additional concern that they are threatening your life and liberty and property to boot, and uh, with soldiers and policemen in particular, of course, it's more than threatening. They, they will shoot you if you don't pay your taxes, which I don't believe I've read of any illegal immigrant mercenary armies running around imposing taxes on people. So as far as those who are negative towards your 
uh, person and property and, and uh, taking from the common wheel without contributing to the common wheel, I would say that you've got, just off the top of my head, right, you know, people on welfare uh, who are naturalized or whatever, uh, children uh, as a whole, uh, you have soldiers, uh, corporations, um, political parties, mother of all that's holy, it's cold as the witch's tit in here. So, th these are, I mean, this is just at the top of my head. I'm sure you could come up with dozens and dozens of more uh, of groups that were, uh, that would fall under whatever category you imposed upon uh, illegal immigrants, which would justify your hostility towards them and your desire to control their entry, and to eject them, of course, if, if that should be your, your, uh, your desire or your goal. So, if you desire to have these people ejected because they are subtracting more from the common good, the commonwealth, than they're contributing, then you know, ship all the kids, all the soldiers, all the policemen, all of the business leaders, most corporations that deal with the state, uh, ship all of these people overseas, and perhaps you can stack them all like cordwood on sea land, I don't know, but uh, overall, or fundamentally, these, uh, this is the challenge that you're going to have when you end up uh, creating some justification that is not just bigoted in nature as to why immigrants should be uh, disallowed or disbarred or, ex you know, that we should put barriers against them coming in. Now, it seems to me that it would be kind of hard to justify, this is just another uh, way of looking at the problem, right? if a problem is illogical, it doesn't matter which way you take, so look at it, it will all fall apart. So, here's another uh, thing, which I would not find to be particularly uh, easy to oppose, should I be anti-immigrant or anti-illegal immigrant, or whatever. And that is that uh, you don't want more people who subtract from uh, society's wealth coming into society, right? I mean, that's, that's, the, that's the general idea, that's the general goal behind it, right? So, I'm not sure that I understand, then, why a eugenics program of sterilizing people on welfare would not be a valid approach, right? I mean, if you're willing to restrict uh, people's freedom of movement and you're willing to point guns at their heads and force them into uh, trucks or planes or boats or trains or whatever to go back to where they came from, it's because you don't want new faces in the land that are subtracting from the common uh, wealth. So it's a little hard for me to understand why you would be happy pointing a gun at somebody and shipping them overseas. And that would be a fair and valid approach to the problem of new faces emerging who were subtracted from the common good, common wealth. But that you would allow uh, people on welfare to have babies, because surely uh, that is also creating, and in a far more likely manner, uh, is creating those uh, who grow up uh, subtracting from the common good, right? I mean, uh, an adult illegal immigrant is going to get a job, almost certainly. Uh, whereas, a, uh, and, and this is relatively quickly, as I said yesterday, most people who come across into your country have jobs already lined up. So, an illegal immigrant is going to have uh, a job, whereas a baby that is born to a welfare mother, and by this I do not mean a black sister, is uh, without a doubt not going to be economically productive for the next 15 years at minimum, and probably longer, and in fact has a much higher incidence of uh, crime and, and sort of things like that. So, 
I'm not sure exactly why the logic would be that if those two risks to your economic integrity, you would feel hostile towards the adult Mexican laborer versus the child of uh, a welfare uh, mother. I'm not sure logically why you would be more hostile to the man who could have a job versus the child who's going to consume you know, fifty, hundred, hundred and fifty thousand dollars worth of resources while contributing nothing other than carbon dioxide and enormous amounts of poo. So that aspect of things, of course, I don't support either, right? But just logically, right? Logically, this is not where you would put your emphasis. What I'm trying to do is, is based, based on the arguments that are put forward, which are against um, immigrants, it's trying to figure out that if these were, in fact, uh, the arguments that cause you to end up pointing your negativity towards immigrants or becoming hostile towards immigrants. Like if you said, well, I don't know whether I'm for or against illegal immigration, but I do know this, that I am quite hostile towards those who take more out of society than they put in. Well, let's not even talk about mentally ill people, but, or the elderly. <laughs> but if, if that is your criteria, well, they, they, they take more than they put in. If that was your sort of first criteria, then naturally it would be logical for you to go down the list of those who consume more than they produce, and immigrants would not even be in the top 20, the top 50, I'm guessing, if you really sat down and did the math. So clearly, this is an ex post facto justification. Clearly people just feel hostile towards illegal immigrants, and they are coming up with pseudo-justifications for their hostility. And so that is uh, very, very clear uh, in the same way that people talk about government programs helping the poor and say, well, we have to have welfare because welfare helps the poor. And they have not started out with the premise of what helps the poor and does welfare help the poor and so on. They're simply putting a justification on a uh, ridiculous notion or an evil notion, the way I guess that some old women put little suits on dogs. It's not that you think that the dog needs the suit, it's just something that you put on for your own bizarre fetish. So this is one way of understanding that whatever arguments people are going to come up with about their hostility towards or fear of or loathing of illegal immigrants, it uh, doesn't really do any good or doesn't really help out in any way, shape or form, logically. Either they're going to hate them just for being immigrants, which is a gun that goes off in your own hand, because we're all immigrants, and it's a clear revealing of bigotry, or you're going to come up with some justification as to why you dislike immigrants, which is going to apply, whichever way you cut it, far more to your fellow citizens to, than it is to immigrants, so illegal or otherwise. So. This kind of stuff is all just uh, pure nonsense, and it is my particular goal, of course, to simply peel away the moral nonsense that people use to clothe their bigotry in, so that we can see it sort of for what it really is, which is just a hatred of other. And why is there this hatred of other? Well, I'll just sketch out a very brief uh, theory, and certainly you can let me know what you think. People are addicted to feel 
to feeling special because of something that is accidental. Right? So, guys with nice hair feel superior to the guys who are bald, and guys who are tall feel superior to the guys who are short, and so on and so on and so on. And white guys feel superior to non-white guys, and light-skinned blacks feel superior to dark-skinned blacks, and <sighs> Indians with accents feel inferior to Indians without accents. All this accidental stuff, right? It's all nonsense. Intelligence of people who can sing, of people who are very musical, people who can dance. Skinny people feel superior to fat people, and I'm not talking. I mean, now that's got some. You've got some level of control over it. But overall, in England, people with upper-class British accents feel superior to those who are Cockney, and it's all just accidental nonsense. And we do have this great, terrible, awful, soul-destroying temptation to feel a special or superior due to mere accidents. And I think that people who are, let's just, I'm sorry too, but let's just say, I'll pick on Americans, right? People who are Americans are going to feel superior because they're American. I'm an American. And they're going to feel some sense of superiority about that. And at the moment that you place any kind of self-esteem in a false and nonsensical identity, a manufactured accidental identity, quote, identity, then you're going to have hostility towards those who threaten this ideal. All right. Christians dislike atheists mostly because atheists point out that Christians aren't special, they're just delusional. And the major hostility is really against the vanity of the false self. It's not against their particular conviction that they are religious, because nobody really behaves like they are religious anyway, otherwise they just kill themselves and go meet God. It's all nonsense. So what they're really hostile about is the fact that their specialness is taken away. And if you can just walk over the border and be an American, then being an American doesn't mean anything. Thank God, wouldn't it be great if it didn't? Wouldn't it be wonderful if accidents of birth meant nothing in terms of virtue or self-esteem. So, open borders, what it means is that you're not special anymore. You're not virtuous for being born an American. There's nothing special about being an American. Anybody who's got two feet or can roll themselves over an imaginary line is suddenly part of your special club, which means that your special club is all just nonsense. It's all just completely made up uh, tribal idiocy. And that's, I think, one of the reasons why libertarians have this problem. As I mentioned yesterday, they identify with this old-school, classical liberal, enlightenment style of American constitutionally bound democracy, and they want to keep this to be uh, special in some manner. But I can absolutely guarantee you that one of the reasons that people want to keep the fences up is to keep themselves feeling special, and it's extraordinarily destructive for them to do so. Thank you so much for listening. Before I freeze to death, I'm going to go in. <laughs> Bye-bye.